Hey there, Lions. Did you know that you can get access to exclusive bonus audio content by joining our paid support group, the Lions of Liberty Pride? For as little as $5 a month, you can help us grow this program to new heights. Learn more by heading over to lionsofliberty.com support. Welcome to Felony Friday, a presentation of the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, John Odermatt. Felons, friends, and freedom lovers, it is time for another edition of Felony Friday right here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. Felony Friday is, of course, a show where we focus each and every single week on exposing injustice in the broken criminal justice system. This is episode number 85 of Felony Friday, so that means you'll be able to find links and notes to everything that we're going to talk about, and we're going to talk about a lot of different stories this week. You can find all of them at lionsofliberty.com FF85. And my last two shows were solo shows. They were a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. But there's so much to talk about this week that I was afraid I might just pass out and not be able to handle it. So I got to bring on some help. I got to I got to call in, make a call to the uh, Lions of Liberty bullpen and bring in some assistance here. So I've asked, of course, Mark Clare to come on the show. You guys all know Mark. He hosts our Monday show here on on the Lions of Liberty podcast. And we're going to talk about some really, really important felonies trending in the news. And yeah, we got a lot to talk about. So, Mark, welcome back to Felony Friday. What's up, Odie? And yes, I'm ready to roar. You're oh, wait, is that, not, is that okay. not what you ask on this show? I get so confused. We have so many different formats, so many different hosts. I don't know what's going on. This used to be a simple show where I just show up and talk to people, and now we, we have all this crazy stuff going on. Felony Fridays, Electric Liberty Land. What is the world coming to here? We must be popular. And we have an episode uh, on Monday of Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking Liquor coming up, right? Darn, darn tootin' we do. I believe you'll be on that one. I'll yeah. be on that one. A special guest that uh, will, will remain unnamed for the moment, I think. I'm actually practicing right now. I got a uh, got a Bell's Two Hearted Ale I'm sipping on for this episode. So maybe this is sort of a Felony Friday edition of LILDO. It can be because I just so happen to have a little, I'll say it the right way for everybody this time, bullet bourbon in front of me right now. Frontier whiskey. How, how did you say it last time? Bullet. Yeah, I said it like it's spelled, <laughs> like an idiot. They're the ones that are going adding extra eyes to their words, and then I'm the one that that's the idiot apparently. But whatever, you know. And if you're a member of the Lions of Liberty Forum, you might know about the little conversation we're talking about because we have a lot of little fun conversations in there. So before Odie can plug it, I will head over to Facebook, plug in Lions of Liberty Forum in your little search bar. It should pop right up. Come and join the fun if you haven't already, because it is fun. And that's why I love bringing you on Felony Friday. Well, other than all the other stuff, you know, talking about felonies, but you do the plugging for me. I don't have to I'm do I'm a plugging else. machine. It's fantastic. I just I just talk about felonies. That's all I have to worry about. The first thing everybody heard on the show was me plugging something. Exactly. <laughs> so let, let's jump in to talking about some of these fel, uh, felonies. Enough of the chit-chat here. And this first one... Oh, you don't want to do like 40 minutes of chit-chat Spangle style? We, we could. Are we could do style? a little We Are Libertarians <laughs> chit-chat back and forth, talk about our, our wives and girlfriends and what's happening at work. You want to do that? I don't know. Uh, let's get into the felonies. We'll save that stuff for the pride. Fair enough. Fair enough. See, always, always plugging. This first story, and I actually just watched it. On purpose, I waited to watch it until right before we were going to record because I knew it was going to be 
freaking ridiculous to watch and really gruesome. And I didn't want to watch it and have to watch it again or you know two or three times. I didn't want to, you know. So what it is, this is a video of a cop essentially executing a guy in Las Vegas. The story, if you're not familiar with it, and we did talk about it, of course, in our Lions of Liberty Forum this past week, took place in Las Vegas. A naked guy outside of a church was carrying a gun and there's two the video has two different angles in it it starts out with a above angle i, I guess that's from a helicopter i don't know maybe from uh I, I don't know where they are but anyway the first video is from above and you can see drone a drone maybe, maybe. you can see yeah probably, probably was a drone actually uh you can see this naked guy walking with the gun and he's walking real slow it looks it looks like he's you know messed up on something on drugs who knows maybe it was just just crazy. And it's definitely he, not in the right state of mind. Yeah. I think we'd all agree on that. Yeah, absolutely The fact not. that you're naked in public is already just <laughs> indication number one. Yes, that's the, first, that's the first indication of something is wrong. You're walking around naked in not front of a church. Not that I'm any kind of prude. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, in our modern repressed society, it's, it's not a normal thing. <laughs> no, no. You can't just walk around outside of churches butt naked with a gun. But anyway, that's what this guy was doing. And the video doesn't have what well, does have sound, but in the first part, it's weird. They're talking through it and you can tell that somebody's directing this guy, but you can't tell what they're saying. All of a sudden, he puts the gun down and starts walking direction away from the gun. And you, you see finally he's walking towards a uh, officer with a with a dog right there, a, a canine officer. So the guy walks over. And he's walking, he's walking, he's walking. They're giving him directions. They're telling him to uh, to lay down. He doesn't. He gets spooked by the canine, I guess. And they said in the article that the canine started attacking the police officer, which yeah, I, I don't... It, it was a little confusing. It said it said that the police attempted to sick the canine on him, and then in the excitement, I guess the canine, I guess, kind of bit the officer. And but just the fact that the canine was being a canine, <laughs> the guy, it scared the guy, and he started to go the other way which happened to be in the direction of the gun that he had dropped, which is how they justified shooting him. Yeah, and this, the second part of the video is, shows exactly that. It's from the point of view of the cop that shot this guy, and it is fucking sickening. It's horrible to watch. You see this guy turn around and start running when the dog starts barking. The guy stands up and shoots him. One shot goes right down. Just uh, really, really rough to watch, and... I mean, th my first thought watching this, and Mark, you can chime in too, is why why wasn't there an officer there? As soon as he puts the gun down, it gets like five feet away. Why can't someone just sprint out and tackle him? He's butt naked. You know he's not armed. Thoughts it sounds like for whatever reason, they their plan was to sick the dog on him to take him down, and then they would go in. But this is a naked guy. I mean, there's not even a chance he's concealing something. There's no chance, unless they think he's got you know so something shoved up where the sun don't shine that he's going to pull out at the last second. But I think that's <laughs> I doubt that's what was going through the officer's yeah. mind. Uh, it's really tragic. It's tra tragic, especially because it, it seems like the officers were called again. This we've seen this several times. Uh, they were called because he was seemingly suicidal. He was not, from what I, for, obviously we only have the information in the article to go by. But, uh, you know, from what I see here, it, it seems that he was threatening to kill himself, not threatening to harm anybody else. And then once he put the gun down, he was no longer even a threat to himself. Uh, and they are, of course, justifying it by saying he was running towards the gun. Even the headline on one of the articles I linked to, I think, within the article, or one of the videos posted within the article, the actual title of the video was, 
uh, police kill man as he's running towards gun, which really seems dis- disingenuous because they really made it sound like he's running towards the gun. When it, I think watching the video, it's I guess he is physically running back in that direction, but that's just because it's the direction he came from. It's clear to me he's just running from the dog. I mean, he's scared. Right. Not that. Not it's not. There's no indication he's running to grab the gun and start shooting people. And if he did that, I would totally. I could totally say that the shooting was justified in that case. You know, I'm not one of these people who's going to try to be hyperbolic. Uh, and there's probably a time five, ten years ago where any time a shot, a cop shot somebody, I would presume uh, that it was wrong. It was a wrong act. But really, as as we grow in our beliefs and our philosophy, we have to try to look at these things in, in you know a little more nuanced way. And look, the fact is, even if you hate the police, you hate the idea of how they're funded, you hate the idea of the laws, there are some situations where cops need to defend themselves because they're human beings with rights as well. So if, if there was a legitimate case where he was an immediate threat to them, I could you know very well say that would be justified, but I really don't see it here. Yeah, the, the only way would be if he was still holding the gun at that point and sure. was pointing it at them. I mean, running yeah. with your back turns toward, toward I mean, his back is turned. I think that's the important thing here. I mean, his back is turned running away. I mean, th- there, I don't see how you could claim. And we felt that that was an immediate threat to our lives because he was running that way. Uh, again, the claim just being, I guess, that he was running towards the gun. Yeah. And I think this is the 16th. I think that's right. 16th police shooting in Las Vegas this year. So. That is not good. That is uh, something that's uh, pretty, pretty freaking disturbing. You would think, you would think of all places that it would be okay to walk around naked. Like Las Vegas might be towards the top of that list uh, of anywhere in the United States, but uh, apparently not. Yeah, apparently not. I mean, you walk down the strip, they pass out those little, uh, little postcards and business cards with the, yeah, the nudity on it. Yeah, you figured it'd be okay, but yeah, I guess not. So we're going to pivot here and talk about, you know, talked about on this show a bunch lately. It seems. Talking about just legalizing drugs. They need to legalize drugs, be it marijuana, be it heroin, be it cocaine. Bring it. Well, Odie, if you believe that, surely it must be because you're a heavy drug user, right? Yeah, I don't use drugs. So. Oh, and yet you still want them legalized. Interesting. <laughs> it's so weird. That, you know, I, I do get some pushback on these shows when I do talk about drugs, legalizing drugs, about how I can say something like that, having a young daughter. You know, how, how could you say you should legalize marijuana or heroin? You have a young daughter. You don't want her using that stuff. And uh, I, I don't. I, I mean, I don't. Of course, especially. I mean, she's two years old now. But yeah, I, I don't want her using <laughs> that stuff. You know, when she's you know, young child growing up. I, I don't want her using marijuana. I certainly don't want her using heroin or cocaine. You know, once she gets older and can make her own decisions, she can decide for herself on the marijuana aspect. I'd never want her using heroin or cocaine or meth or any of that stuff. But it still makes sense to me as a person who values individual rights, as a person who is, I believe I'm a rational human being who understands that. Questionable, is- but we'll let it slide. <laughs> Who understands that it's it's safer and it's better for everybody involved when, when you legalize drugs. And the story we're going to talk about here is there is actually a heroin vaccine, and it hasn't been tested on humans yet. Uh, in 2013, it was tested on rats, and the rats actually stopped pressing the levers to receive their heroin hits. So if you can imagine some rats on heroin, I, I don't know. That's just funny to me. Just rats just, just stop, stop taking <laughs> their just heroin. just need one more hit. <laughs> we need like someone with talent like our boy Dan Smots to uh, draw up a, a heroin out to rat. Not not to make light of this. But. Probably looks like any other rat. But anyway, uh, they, they've also tested on I picture on him monkeys. like Rizzo the rat from the Muppets. Rizzo the rat. Ah, uh, Rizzo the rat. I remember Rizzo the rat. There you go. They've also tested on monkeys, and that showed uh, for they, I guess the test went for eight months, and the drug stopped having an effect, 
and they showed no high or cravings or, or anything associated with that anymore. And they also did a test against, they tested a vaccine against fentanyl, which of course is what heroin is often mixed with, cut with. And it also, it, it worked with uh, fentanyl as well. The problem is they can't get funding. There's no pharmaceutical companies. There's no hedge funds. There's not anybody who wants to fund this vaccine in order to get FDA approval. And a disappointing part to me is they've tried to crowdfund this too. And they've made, you know, in, in terms of crowdfunding, they made almost nothing. They made like $40,000, which covers a little bit of their, their patent work, but is nowhere close to what they need in order to, to run a study. So a couple different things here, Mark. What are your thoughts on the FDA aspect of this first, I guess, to start? Yeah, I mean, when I first was going to read the story, I, I presume before reading it that this was going to be I, the FDA just saying you can't do this, you can't have this vaccine, or for whatever reason, or it wasn't approved. And uh, I thought it was actually pretty interesting. The the reason wasn't is still tied to the FDA, but it's because they can't get the funding. And of course, the funding is what they need to conduct the tests on humans. And I, I imagine that's because the funding is to get the approval to get the tests on humans. I guess they have to raise the, the amount of money that they would need to do all the tests that are required by the FDA before they can get the approval to you know obviously go ahead and go to the next level. So even though it's it's an interesting that they can't get the funding, uh, I think that because that's obviously sort of a a free market thing you might say. But I I also would say you wouldn't need nearly the level of funding that they need if it weren't for the FDA and all their onerous regulations. Because this guy has people who are calling him saying, "Please let my son take this." And then this article starts with like a really you know heartbreaking story about a guy who died of a of a heroin overdose after I think after he was clean for a while. So sometimes it only takes one time getting back uh, on it to to uh, pass away. Uh, so it's, it, you know, there's people that are calling him saying, I want to use this vaccine. Can we try it on my son? So, you know, even though it, the one problem is that he can't get the funding, if the FDA would just let him give it to people and, and let them ser willingly serve as guinea pigs, you know, th that wouldn't even be an issue. You wouldn't really need funding. You would just need the vaccine and a willing person to take it and sign some papers saying they're willing to, you know, take the risks of taking it after seeing the results that he has on the rats and the monkeys. Not like this is based on nothing. And they're willing to weigh that risk against their heroin addiction, which is very likely to to kill them anyway. So I, to me, I mean, again, this is about the FDA just getting in the way of humans voluntarily interacting with each other to better humanity. These people are making humanity worse by not allowing people to have these voluntary exchanges. So fuck the FDA. Sorry, you, you, you made me drink whiskey, so I had to throw a, a little fight. And you cursed too, so that really yeah, inspired yeah. me to do the same. This is <laughs> going to be marked explicit. Oh, well. I, I will take exception to well, not exception, just to add to to one thing you said. I've I've actually been reading a book that it's called Chasing the Scream, and I actually I'm going to be talking to the author here coming down the road on a future episode of Felony Friday. But what it talks about is the one thing you said, Mark, is a lot of these heroin addicts are going to OD anyway and die, which that is the case in today's society, in today's current market environment with heroin being uh, prohibited because it makes the drug much more dangerous. It's mixed with fentanyl. The doses are uncertain. But right. back in the day, back before uh, heroin and, and cocaine were made illegal, this stuff was mixed in cough syrup, all kinds of stuff. And people used it and they didn't get addicted. Some of them you know, maybe did get addicted, but it didn't ruin their life. They were able to continue working jobs. That's not to say that I think they should start putting uh, putting these drugs in cough syrup again, but it, <laughs> it makes it it makes it a lot safer for not to say they shouldn't either. <laughs> makes it a lot safer. We're agnostic on the issue of whether heroin should be in cough syrup. In a free market, that would be up to yeah you know, everybody, the cough syrup company and uh, and the individuals 
purchasing it. I'll tell you what. I mean, there's there's sometimes <laughs> I don't know about you, Mark, but there's sometimes you're so sick with the flu that I, I would probably take anything to feel better. I mean, you're hey, just... <laughs> if, if if a little if a little drip of heroin in my cough syrup would make me feel like fifty percent better for an hour, sometimes when you're in the the worst flu ever. Totally. Count me in. So that's right. That's that's going to be the title of this show. Put heroin in cough syrup. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Not it me. might be. It might be a good one. <laughs> All right. So I think, I think we, we both agree that you know heroin should be legal, that this vaccine, that people should be able to go and get it and you know test it on themselves if, if they want to. You know, that's definitely one way that we could start to uh, find a remedy for this uh, terrible opioid and, and heroin epidemic that we have in the country. I do want to take a, a quick moment here and talk about a, uh, a story of a... Can, can I actually touch on one more thing? I thought that was pretty interesting from that article. Yeah, sure. This stood out to me. It's kind of like a side note, but um, I, apparently, I guess, just because I had never heard this before, I thought it was pretty interesting. I never knew that the polio vaccine was actually completely privately funded. It was a similar situation, actually, uh, where they, they couldn't get the funding for the vaccine, and about apparently 80 million people chipped in, and um, it was called the National Foundation for Infantile Paralysis, which was later became the March of Dimes, because people would just toss in, if they had a couple pennies even, or a dime, they would toss that in to this fund to uh, get this polio vaccine. So I thought that was a really interesting example of, of how a free market and uh, when there is really a need for something out there in the population and maybe not a government st- stepping in the way the FDA does today, um, you can get these things funded without government intervention and that sort of thing. So I thought that was really interesting because I, I had never really thought about that before. I never knew that history of the polio vaccine. Yeah, that is really interesting. It makes me think of, uh, think of something here. So donors see, I'm not sure what the parameters are for their funding stuff, but can they fund heroin and can, can they fund heroin vaccines? <laughs> I don't know. That, that Probably be... some legal uh, issues there at the moment. Probably. I don't know. But I tell you what, if I had more time in my day, I would dedicate some of that time to helping to crowdfund this vaccine. You know, if, if they can do a GoFundMe, I don't see why DonorC couldn't. It just—it's probably out of their their normal realm of what they do. But uh, technologically and legally speaking, actually, it it makes total sense that they would be able to. Yeah, I have no idea, but. Maybe we'll find out. Um, so I do want to talk about this next this next topic uh, pretty quickly here. Then we're going to move on, and we're actually going to talk about North Korea. So stay tuned for that. Why are we talking about North Korea on Felony Friday? I don't know. Teaser. You'll have to keep listening. There's uh this is in Connecticut, and there's a guy there that he he got a felony for carjacking back when he was a young kid, 16 years old, served eight years in prison after prison. Uh, he went to college, graduated from the University of Maryland, won a scholarship to, or won a Harvard University fellowship, and he earned a law degree from Yale. So really smart guy, turned his life around, and now he's trying to get certified, pass the bar in the state of Connecticut. But Connecticut, they don't prohibit felons from becoming attorneys, but a felony conviction does create a presumption that the applicant lacks moral character and or fitness to practice law. So just being a felon is presumes that they lack good moral character, even if all this time has passed and all these other great things have happened. So this guy has to go through this whole process in order to get approved, bringing in people to really, you know, be witnesses to his moral character and give their give the recommendation that, that he should be a lawyer. And an interesting factor, there's actually three states that ban felons completely from becoming lawyers, Kansas, Mississippi, and Texas. So if you have a felony in any of those states, you can never, ever be a lawyer. doesn't matter how brilliant you are, how, how much you want to help people, how much you've turned your life around. 
Doesn't matter. You have no chance in any of those states, which I think is completely ridiculous. Mark, that's a that's a state law, huh? Yeah. In those places. Th- thoughts on this? Obviously, I think you know it's interesting because they, you said he served eight years in prison. I think that's something people should really think about for a minute here. Think about how long eight years is. Now you had Michael Santos on your show before. I had him on my show before. You had Felony Friday. Uh, he was. Uh, sentenced to, I think, what was it? Uh, he was sentenced, to, I think, fifty something. Ended up serving, well, I believe, it was twenty six years in prison 20, or yeah, something. I think, like. think twenty six years. Unbelievable. Right. He went into prison as a, you know, in his twenties and came out uh, near somewhere near fifty, and has has made a remarkable life for himself. Uh, truly inspiring story. So please do check out both of our interviews, which I know Odie, I just gave you a little more work to do for the show notes, but I know you'll post both those in the show notes. Indeed. But I, I believe I've read one of his books, um, and he basically in that book he goes through his entire process of how, of how he changed while in prison and how he dedicated himself to becoming a better person so he'd be better prepared for life when he got out. And I, I mean, it sounds like this guy did something similar, or at least he he really focused on himself and, and bettering himself you know, on his way out of prison. Um, but you know, think about eight years. Now, Michael Santos, in his 26 years, he said, I, I think it was after six years, it might have been 10, it's something like that. He said after after six or eight years, whatever it was, he could no longer improve. I mean, he had, he had done as much rehab as he could do. He was a totally changed, better person. Uh, the rest of that time was basically just spent you know, trying to improve his education still, uh, but, you know, just waiting his time out. You know, he, he had improved as much as he can improve. He was reformed at that point. Uh, so, I mean, and, and the same, it sounds like this guy was on a somewhat similar path. Uh, obviously, luckily, he didn't get nearly as bad of a sentence, but clearly this guy has completely changed since he was 16 years old, spent eight entire years in prison again, and went through the process to not only, you know, go to law school and learn everything you have to, but pass the bar. So, in theory, I think he should be granted this license. And then we get into this odd thing where where we have government licensing involved. Now, in a private free market, our quote unquote utopian libertarian society, yada, 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 I think you'd still have all sorts of licensing, uh, private licensing. And really, if, if private licensing organizations decide that they don't want anybody with a, a criminal record, well, well, so be it. But as we know, things aren't, aren't so simple today, or maybe they are more simple, <laughs> depending on your perspective, where you just have monolithic um, licensing boards, which are all backed by the power of their, the individual states. And they really have, in a sense, monopoly power over whether people can practice their, their chosen career or not. And so it's it's really sad that there's even the situation where um, this small board of people has the power to decide if this man can practice the career that he spent so much time studying for uh, is clearly prepared to based on their own tests that they give out. Uh, and yet he, his fate you know, is just in the hands of a few people and, and their opinions about his past actions. Yeah, but at least with the bar, at least it's up to the state. It's not as some, you know, federal, you know, far, you know, far-reaching organization. And it kind of has to be the way with the law because you go in states' rights on me, bro. No, I'm not. <laughs> not really going states' rights. I'm just saying sure. it's, it's a little bit better. It would be great to have, you know, two or three different organizations in the state where where you could get certified with, and people could choose their lawyer based on that. But, and maybe with with law, it makes more sense because there's so many different ways to practice law. You could be a criminal defense lawyer. You can be a wills and estates attorney. You can be, I don't know. You could be a, you could be you a, could a be shyster a, lawyer like you Rico. Be, you could be a shyster <laughs> lawyer like Rico. I don't even know what Rico does, but I assume he's a shyster. Yeah, that's what I assume. <laughs> the details are very irrelevant here. He shows up somewhere with a giant briefcase with papers falling out of it and then, you know, talks to a judge and leaves. That's all I know. He somehow travels to Hawaii for for work, though, which must be nice. I'm sure there's a scam involved somewhere here. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Well, with that being said, talking about scams, this is not a scam here. We're going to talk about our sponsor for today's show. You want to hear from these guys and check out these podcasts. 
Hey guys, this is Roger Paxton, and if you're fed up with the government running every single aspect of your life, but you're not listening to the Lava Flow podcast yet, then what's wrong with you? Check us out at thelavaflow.com, or just go back to sucking up to the government. The Lava Flow podcast, striking the root every single episode. This is Chris Spangle, and I am the host of We Are Libertarians, which you can find in iTunes, Google Play, or at wearelibertarians.com. We are a podcast that brings you all of the irreverence that modern politics deserves by examining current events from a libertarian perspective. So please, check us out at wearelibertarians.com. Hey everyone, the Johnny Rocket Launchpad is liberty. Each week we strive to bring you the best guests in talk radio. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad delivers weekly interviews of noteworthy politicians, experts, and activists. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad is bringing the party to the Libertarian Party and launching ideas in your direction. Check us out at johnnyrocketlaunchpad.com and you can hear me, Kurt Nelson, and the beautiful Heather Nixon talk about the ideas of liberty, rock and roll. And we're back. We are back, and we're going to kick things off right now playing Is This a Crime and Should They Do Time? Is it a crime? Should they do time? Or do you think they learned their lesson from a hefty fine? Bum, bum, bum. Is it a crime? Should they do time? I'm not going to sing the whole thing, but good tune. I'm going to leave that part in, too. Just, just for you. <laughs> yeah, do it. You do whatever you got to do. I mean, you can maybe, even if you get fancy, you could mix it into the beginning of the song. I'm not that I, fancy. I'm not okay. that fancy. Well, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but with, with Is It a Crime, I want to kick this, one, kick this one off in style here. Do something we've never done. Well, actually, Ooh. that's not true. I was going to say international crimes. We've, I think we've talked about those in Is It a Crime. We had one in, in England, but... I wanted to go. We shouldn't worry about that, man. All the international crimes, those are just taking place in sovereign nations. Libertarians shouldn't be concerned with them. Ooh, a little foreshadowing there. You're <laughs> pressing buttons one, I here. Think. A little maybe. foreshadowing, maybe. Hmm. We'll see. So, what I want to talk about first is North Korea. And, of course, there's been tensions on the rise between Kim Jong un and President Donald Trump and really the rest of the world and, and North Korea. And North Korea has announced some plans that they're thinking about firing missiles towards Guam, testing missile fire. And they did just announce, I think today, and we're recording this on on Tuesday to show you behind the curtain, that Kim Jong-un said he's going to hold off on firing the missiles and wait to see what the U.S. is going to do. But anyway, just for the sake of argument here, we're going to assume that Mr. Kim Jong-un as Rosie O'Donnell calls him Sir and Mr. Sir. This uh, freaking raging lunatic psychopath. Both of them. Rosie I, O'Donnell. I don't care him. about I don't care about people that disrespect the president. Like I really don't have an issue with that. Like I know people that are like, I will not call him my president, and I never have. I'm like, I don't care. Like <laughs> that's fine. But it bothers me when those same people call Kim Jong-un sir. It's like, get your priorities straight, man. This guy has literally enslaved millions of people for for how many decades have they been enslaved? Well, he hasn't I mean, been his, his he hasn't family. Been in, yes. Yeah, his family. The dynasty has. We could go in a probably another hour long combo about North Korea. I mean, it's it's hard to say enslaved or not. And in some ways, they might. Many of them are so brainwashed that they're they're somewhat willingly enslaved. But um, well, we'll, we'll get into this some more here. <laughs> okay, so so let's yeah let's let's say that they, he decides to fire the missiles. They're going towards Guam. 
and okay, they're they're in the air. When that happens, is that in itself a a crime? Has Kim Jong Un aggressed against the United States of America? Guam is a, a U.S. property. Uh, is it a crime? And should North Korea get bombed in response? <laughs> should they get? Is it a crime? Should they get bombed? We're gonna we're gonna need a, a remix of the song. <laughs> Typically, we just question whether they should do time. But anyway, let's, let's just try to break this down. And I we have to really t- I think get a good take a good look at this. We have to separate the fact that yeah we probably don't think that the the United States uh, legally homesteaded Guam. <laughs> like I mean, there's certainly property issues involved here about whether you could say that the our tax money should be specifically going to you know defend Guam. The, let's just put all that stuff aside. It's a totally different conversation. I just think we should look at the specifics of the way that North Korea acts in and outside of its country, actually. But we'll try to focus on, on the missiles right now. Um, but I, I think even inside the country, you can you can argue that there are crimes worth intervening on. No, I'm not arguing the United States uh, should be intervening. But you can definitely make the argument that human beings are justified to cease the action in North Korea, uh, in principle, putting aside how disastrous the details of the United States doing that militarily would be. And I, I don't want to see that for that reason. Uh, but morally speaking... You know, human beings should have every right to cease the actions that are being undertaken in that country in regards to uh, the way they control that population, the way that they have uh, slave camps and uh, all the terrible things that go on in North Korea. Uh, But that aside, think about it this way. If someone is threatening to fire a gun at me and, and has fired the bullet... I mean, I don't think I even need to wait till they fire the bullet. But yeah, I think it's very, very obvious that shooting a missile towards a place, say Guam, where people live, uh, is a crime. Now they're gonna—they're not gonna. When, when he's talking about shooting missiles at Guam right now, he's talking about shooting them into the water of Guam as a display of power. Um, so you know, maybe you can. Yeah, but why? Why should you believe him? Well, yeah, well, you know, sure. Maybe he—maybe he would say that, and then just shoot him right at Guam. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, if he's saying he's going to shoot at Guam and then takes actions to shoot at Guam, uh, at the very least, Guam has the right to defend itself. And if if their defense happens to be backed by the U.S. military, I mean, I can't. I don't know if that means that the U.S. military should then invade North Korea. I think that's a a different story when it comes to should they get bombed. But they certainly, at the very minimum, have the right to take. Action actions to cease the action of of the missile. So somebody has that right. And in our current world structure, I mean, the United States is the quote unquote owner of Guam. So I don't know who else would be in, in a position to, you know, shoot that missile down or, or what have you. Wouldn't the missile have to go over Japan to hit Guam? I, you know, I'm not a geography expert here, but I'm pretty sure. I don't know. And I'm not a missile expert. I don't know if you guys know this out there, <laughs> but I mean, I think often this might not be the case with something as close as Guam, but I think the idea and I I think that's the idea behind behind the ICBMs that they actually leave the atmosphere and then like come back down wherever they're supposed to be. Uh, I don't know if that's the kind of missile that goes to Guam. Maybe maybe we can get Howie to provide some details uh, in the show notes or something like that. That's if you believe the Earth is a sphere. Yes, if it's flat. Right. Then... Also questionable. Or it could just be a disc. But you know, this is a whole other. This is a topic that you might hear about on a future conspiracy corner, which you can hear. And if you're a member of the Lions of Liberty Pride, which you can find more info about at lionsofliberty.com slash support. You're welcome. I'm here for your plugs. Fantastic. Well, you're just taking care of everything today. I love that. To me, let's just, you know, putting aside the details, a a realistic threat of violence to me is in and of itself in, in real life. If we pretend we're just on the street and not talking about North Korea and Guam, uh, a realistic threat that includes brandishing a weapon 
and then threatening to use it and then taking actions towards using it. I mean, that's that's a realistic threat enough to cause defensive action in a normal circumstance. So morally and principally, it should apply to countries you know, and to, to governments and that sort of thing. Now, I don't think the people that all live in North Korea should be punished by a nuclear bomb as a result of it either. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I think this is an extremely tricky situation because to me, it's very clear. Kim Jong-un meets every definition of criminal, whether it's an international law, libertarian law, I don't care what law, uh, at the same time, how many crimes are being committed if, if we actually go under a full-scale invasion? How many innocent people have to die to do what we'd have to do, what would have to be done to destroy? Because you really would have to decimate their weaponry immediately, I mean, as quickly as possible. Uh, you would have to cause mass destruction in, in North Korea because North Korea will cause mass destruction in response to to any attack. And I don't, I don't see any way that this happens uh, without mass destruction on the Korean Peninsula and, and possibly spreading outward from there. And uh, there, there's no good circumstance that that, that can arise from any of this. That, that all being said, I do think this is hypothetical because every president in my lifetime has played this dance with every Kim Jong, <laughs> every leader of North Korea. And uh, it seems a little more real now because we view Trump as a madman and that's the image he projects. Uh, I don't think he's a madman any more than that guy that actually has mad in his name, Mad Dog Mattis. Uh, I think these are personas. Uh, I don't think it means they're not, they wouldn't do military action if the right, if something, you know, the right circumstance occurred. If a missile hits Guam, I, I don't, I don't doubt that they would do something. And uh, that, that's frightening. But, but, um, you know, I don't think that they are, these people are, I, I don't think that they're idiots and I don't think they're tyrants who are bent on nuclear destruction and I think everyone is playing a game here it's a it's a dangerous game but it's the same game you know, Barack Obama has a quote where he said if you try anything we will destroy your entire country Bill Clinton said something to the effect of and there's a video of this that was going around this week your whole country will be destroyed so every president has the same rhetoric maybe they don't say fire and fury you know maybe Trump has different style but they they all play basically play the same dance North Korea has to play this dance because it's the only way it can basically survive uh, in the world and uh, as Howie pointed out in the last Electric Liberty Land uh, when he was on there with Brian uh, last week. You know, this is the, we, the U.S. set this president by making a deal with Gaddafi to give up his weapons and then uh, deposing him and raping him in the street. So that's the message we sent to people that give up their weapons. So for that reason, uh, Kim Jong-un would be foolish to give up his weapons. So I don't see that happening. I agree with you, I guess. I don't know if I agree with everything you said. You said a lot of stuff I said there. a whole lot of I, stuff. I, <laughs> I, I, will just, I will just add that... It's so often in this conversation, people just forget about the people that are enslaved. They're effectively slaves in, in North Korea to this regime. They don't know anything about the uh, modern society we have here in, in the United States. They don't know anything about, you know, really having a, a, a full belly, being able to, to work for a living, being able to enjoy the simple freedoms that we that we enjoy every single day. And I can't talk about this anymore without mentioning the LP's tweet the other day oh. where – they tweeted out saying that in North Korea, I guess, I don't even know if this is true or not, and they admitted so in the tweet, they were speculating that North Korea has a, a bustling marijuana industry and marijuana is effectively legal there, which is a just a ridiculous path to go down. doesn't make any sense to me when this is just a, a dictatorship, just a, just a horrible, horrible place. So I think one thing to remember with this situation is when our bombs drop down and, you know, i I think back to this when I was a kid. I will never forget watching on TV over Baghdad as bombs rained down over Baghdad. And I listened to the newscasters talk about it. 
And I never thought about the people that the bombs were dropping down on below. It didn't even cross my mind because nobody around me was talking about it. None of the newscasters were talking about it. Saturday Night Live was making jokes about it. George Bush, you know, making uh, whistling noises as, as bombs are dropping down. I remember being at work um, in the second Gulf War and uh, people, they, you know, we had news on everywhere and all the bombs were dropping and you see explosions. And somebody I worked with actually came up and said, wow, that's so cool. And even at that time, even though I wasn't quite the anti-war uh, libertarian I am now, I just thought to myself, like, how can you think cool? Like, there's people in these neighborhoods, buildings, even if you think there's bad guys somewhere in here getting hit. I mean, these are these are cities. That This is a city where yeah. human beings live. I mean, how can you think it's cool? I mean, that, I think that's when I really started to take on the anti-war position more because I really started to think deeper about the fact that there's humans on the other end of these bombs. So maybe explosions look cool uh, in movies, but this isn't a movie. This is people dying. And uh, I mean, that's the same way we have to look at any war when we're when we're just kind of, when people kind of suddenly say, oh yeah, you got to take out Kim Jong Un. Like, look, I want Kim Jong Un taken out. I, I I think it'd be wonderful if the world was rid of him. But then we have to look at the reality of how that plays out, and and, and there's not a way that doesn't involve the deaths of at least many many thousands of innocent people, if not millions. Yep, people people getting blown to bits by these bombs dropping down. I mean, it's it, war is terrible. War is awful. And libertarians, the, the way that libertarians generally deal with war is yeah, it's a sovereign nation. We're, we're not going to touch it. No foreign intervention. Let's just stay here in the United States. And I, I get that. I understand where you're coming from there because the system we have right now, our military, our, our defense, any way that we would try to help those people is funded through coercion. It's funded through taxation that you're not consenting to. But that doesn't mean we, we can't talk about both sides of the coin and talk about in a better society, in a more free society, we should try to advocate for a way where we could help those people in North Korea to try to free them. And I don't know how we would do that, but I don't think we should just dis discount that and say they're over there in North Korea. You know, that's that's their problem, really. We're not going to deal with it. We're not going to think about it. We're just going to stay over here and and advocate for our own freedom. Sorry, you, you just you just blew me away with your diatribes. <laughs> now I think we're I think we're basically on the same page when it comes to this stuff. Uh, in in reality, we we agree on the principles, but the, you know the principles and how you know how they actually play out in real life uh, involve killing a lot more people, and there's just not there's there's no good result to this. Yeah, and I think we've beat this North Korea horse to death. I don't know if that's the right. The eat horse analogy. Okay, we, we got time for at least one more. Is this a crime? And this one, I, I watched this video, and I, I couldn't believe it really that this is happening in public schools. And well, I believe it, but it's it, it was really disturbing to watch. This happened in North Central Ohio, so not far from me in Pennsylvania, the Crestline Elementary School. A seven-year-old autistic kid was on the playground, and apparently he did something the teacher and the teacher's aide out there didn't like. He was climbing on a fence or something like that. Those darn seven-year-old kids and climbing on things. I mean, that's who's ever known a seven-year-old to Crazy climb on stuff. anything? I mean, that's. that's I all still I did have I the seven. urge, like, to just climb on everything I see, and I'm, I'm. <laughs> let's just say I'm more than seven. I'm approximately 30 years are, more than seven. So, are, are you sure you're not Spider-Man? I'm not sure. I didn't say I successfully climbed on things. <laughs> I just get the urge, that's all. Anyway, so this seven-year-old kid does the terrible, terrible thing of climbing on a fence or, or some such thing. The teachers reprimand him, and he's upset. He's a 
special needs child and autistic kid uh, has 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 some issues obviously dealing with this uh being reprimanded and you see the video the teachers are dragging him two female teachers dragging him into the school he's not walking so his feet are dragging behind him cuts to another angle and you can see both teachers carrying him cuts to another angle and you can see the one teacher holding the seven-year-old boy by the foot and dragging him on the ground with his face dragging on the floor. And this story talked about how these teachers weren't charged with a felony because the way the law is written, they couldn't charge him with a felony, which that's I don't know if that's really here or, or there. Um, I think the bottom line here is, Mark, in a you know in a society, is it okay for teachers to be treating children like this should this be a crime and should these teachers should there be some sort of time they serve or fine that they pay to compensate this well that is certainly the name of the game and as you've insisted before this is a game this is a game show even though we don't have prizes or winners Uh, but uh you know i found something interesting and this made me think about it the actual headline of the article uh where it says no felony crime occurred and that was a quote from someone or other someone who was investigating um and that's why there's no charges pressed now to me if we're just talking libertarian crime or right, yeah, to me, this is a, a crime, putting their hands on the child and dragging them around in this way. Uh, I certainly would not want my child's special needs or otherwise uh, to be dragged around or manhandled by adults, uh, no matter the circumstances in, in this manner. I mean, even if the kid was was going crazy and attacking other kids, you wouldn't drag him around the school. I mean, you would hold him down or, you know, I don't know what you would do, but I mean, this seems so, so off base with, with anything that could be justified that, that this kid could have done, um, climbing a fence or what have you. And I guess part of it was the kid hadn't had a snack at, at the right time or something like that. And he was, um, you know, unable to communicate that. And that, and I think that was part of the problem. And, uh, but, um, you know, the, obviously these people were not trained well to be dealing with special needs kids. Another, another big problem there, uh, to put your kids in a public school that, that might not have the proper, you know, adequate care. Maybe they do have a special needs person on staff, but who knows uh, if they have enough people. And if these teachers were, were, were trained to deal with something like that, uh, clearly to me, it doesn't seem like they were. Um, but what I wanted to get to is, uh, the idea of the felony crime. And clearly, like I said, this is a crime. I don't know if there should be time. Uh, I think maybe compensating the child and the family in some way, um, as well as uh, completely losing their jobs, which is not even clear that they will do. I don't, I don't think they should be allowed. I think they did lose their jobs, but it's not clear whether they'll, they'll lose their teaching licenses. I believe it's what the article said. Um, but I, d- I did want to talk about the phrase felony crime, because we've talked before about how felonies just ruin people's lives. And while these teachers are absolutely in the wrong and maybe even should serve time, uh, I I don't love the felony label for really any reason based on the way it's applied in our society. Because, like you said, you basically can't rehab from the felony label in most states. Like like you said, this guy served – the guy from the carjacking earlier served eight years in prison for a carjacking when he was 16. And, you know, 20-whatever years later, he's not – he's unsure if he'll even be able to practice law. So this – felony label can have such a far-reaching effect uh, removing your right to defend themselves although for some reason I just doubt these ladies are gun owners uh, the right to vote all that stuff uh, I don't know if I would like the idea of, of giving them the felon label because maybe these are women that would learn their lesson after a harsh penalty after after spending a lot of time paying money to the family for for dragging this kid around um, so I mean like I said the only thing that, that stood out to me that I would question the crime part 
is that felony aspect just because I'm not sure many people should, should have that felony aspect attached to them for their entire lives. I'm not even sure if everybody who kills somebody necessarily should have it follow them around for the rest of their life. Someone kills someone when they're 16, maybe when they're 60, we can, we can remove the label if they've, if they've rehabbed themselves. So that, that's the only part where I, I give pause, but I do, I do believe it's a crime. I agree with you. I'm not advocating these women should be charged with a felony. In fact, maybe even this video being shared, their names being it's probably enough. I mean, they're probably not teaching again. Disgusting behavior. Yeah, it's 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 horrible. Of course, you got to bring into you know you know you got to account for this child being pretty much abused by them. Maybe there is some sort of restitution there. Uh, I, I don't know, but I think the bottom line here is, and you brought this up in the in the forum. I think it was in the forum, maybe an email. But if you do have an autistic child, a special needs needs child. You really got to do everything you can to keep them out of public schools because they are not going to get the the care or the attention that they need. For, for the most part, I know there's exceptions, but stuff like this happening, that's that's really scary for parents out there that have children with autism. Yeah, agreed. We got time for one more quick one here, I think. And this is in your stomping grounds. And I just want to so I want to talk about it, and I don't know if you watch the NBA. I haven't watched the NBA since Michael Jordan played, so I don't know any of these I'm players. I'm with but... you. I have not watched the NBA in a long time. And for those out there, I know what you're thinking. That, this has nothing to do with the color of John or my skin. <laughs> I love college basketball. I used to like basketball. I had I had a time when I did, and I just I just don't know. There's just not enough time. You got to prioritize your sports. I watch football. Do you know how much pro wrestling I, I have? I have baseball. to watch. I can barely fit in anything. I can barely fit in Liberty. Let alone other yeah, that's sports. That's like five nights a week, the, the pro wrestling, it's, right? It's seven nights a week if you want it to be. <laughs> so anyway, this uh, Zach Randolph, uh, he was signed in the offseason by the Sacramento Kings, and he was arrested this past week in Los Angeles, the City of Angels, Los Angeles, on felony marijuana charges with intent to sell. And as soon as I saw this headline, I thought, wait a minute, isn't marijuana legal in California? How did this happen? How, how did this happen, Mark? How can you get arrested? And they're saying he could be banned from the NBA because the NBA has this clause where if you get convicted or if you plead guilty to a felony charge, then you're banned for a certain amount of time. So it just seems so crazy that in California you can get arrested and potentially convicted of a felony charge for intent to sell in a state where it's supposed to be legal. Yes. I don't get it. Uh, yes, let me explain. So the, the law that was recently passed legalizing marijuana, there's obviously, as you know, you've discussed this on your show several times, uh, there's a lot of complications with it. And you're, it's not a, a clean uh, it's not a clean legalization or decriminalization, uh, but there, it does come in in waves. It, it gets enacted in waves. So right now, possession of uh, marijuana is essentially legal for personal use on a small scale, I believe, an ounce or less. Uh, you can have that on your person uh, and you're, you're pretty much good to go. Um, but selling it is not the, the, um, the licenses and all that to sell it. Those don't go in effect until 2018. So if you have above the personal amount and, uh, you're in that area of, of intent to sell, uh, you know, even, even after 2018, if you're not a licensed seller, if you're not someone who's a store with a government license, you still can get arrested for, for selling marijuana. In fact, there's kind of more codification about how they can arrest people for, for marijuana sales. Um, but uh, th- that part of the law doesn't really apply in this case right now because that part hasn't even gone into effect yet. But I think even if this was taking place a year later, he could still be arrested, uh, which does seem crazy in a state that just legalized marijuana 
But uh, legalized should be in quotes, and legalized uh, means a lot of different things in a lot of different states. And in California, it certainly doesn't mean that anyone that can, can that wants can have any amount of marijuana they want, and it certainly doesn't mean that anyone that wants can sell marijuana, because that is certainly not the case. I guess it would be similar to if he was caught selling moonshine in Kentucky. I guess. I guess. Right? You can't, you <laughs> I, can't, can't I don't do know that, the intricacies so. of the moonshine laws in Kentucky, but sure. But I'm just saying that li- liquor is not... It's it's legalized. You can drink liquor all, right. all over the place, but you can't just make moonshine in your, in your bathtub. At least I, in most places you can't. Maybe some counties and states you can. I'm Probably not sure. I can't open a moonshine stand uh, in the front on the corner of a, a street anyway. <laughs> Probably not. Especially not, not yet, a drive-through. That, not would, that would draw some attention. Until uh, until we take over. Until libertarians take over, and then instead of lemonade stands, we're gonna have moonshine stands. <laughs> That's what our libertarian utopia is gonna be, folks. Drive-through moonshine stands for everybody, and uh, uh, and the I roads will all be owned by tyrants who don't have DUI laws, but they charge a thousand dollars to go through them. So it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be interesting times. I don't know how you're gonna have much money left for the moonshine when you're spending all your money on tolls, but. Yeah, that was uh, you're referring to that post in the Probably. forum from this week. Yeah, I think I did. Yeah, there was a post in, in the forum, yeah, telling a story about one of our members was telling a story about they were in an argument with a uh, with another really person, and they were saying, <laughs> "Who was it?" <laughs> They'll know if they're listening. And yeah, the argument happening, and of course the person comes back at our libertarian forum members saying, "Well, what if the person who owns the road decides to charge a thousand dollars?" Hey, I know who it was. It was Sam Schiller. <laughs> Sam Schiller, shout out for you. We're talking about your post. Sam Schiller, you're see, the man. you can become famous if you're in the Lions Liberty Forum. We might even mention your name. <laughs> and I, I think I commented back on it that well, it's the same thing. What if you go to a restaurant? The restaurant owner says, "Well, for that steak, that's a thousand dollars." Well, bye. <laughs> see you later. See <laughs> gonna go yeah, kill some roadkill it's instead. a wonderful thing but uh, something else I wanted to touch on um, that some people might say you know, look, the NBA is allowed to make it like, cause the part of this is he might get end up being banned from the NBA for this I mean banned because uh, of this felony if he, if he ends up being convicted of a felony now he may plea his way out of this or something like that I don't know but uh, as of right now with a possible felony charge he would be banned from the NBA uh, so that's a big deal. It's, it's obviously going to affect his lifehood. I think he's been thinking something like an eight year, 10 year veteran. He's been around a while. I'm sure he's made plenty of money in his day. Uh, I don't know how he's invested it. <laughs> I have no information on that. He might need to keep working. I don't, I don't really know. Um, but, um, you know, who knows? Maybe if he gets the felony, he'll just open a legal dispensary and, and channel, channel his passion <laughs> to, to earn some income for the rest of his life. But, you know, many people will say that the NBA has the right to ban him, uh, you know, to set their own rules about these things. And they do. But I think we should point out and just make it clear, without the war on drugs, without the federal prohibition on marijuana, most of these, at this point, most of these sports organizations would not have these rules in the first place. The only reason they do is because of the federal laws. So, you know, it's kind of a circular argument and we can say, you know, they're a private company, yada, yada, yada. First of all, it's arguable how, how private any any of these major sports organizations are, but that's, that's kind of a conversation for a different day. Uh, but yeah, at the end of the day, the war on drugs and the federal prohibition is is the problem here. So if that wasn't there, I doubt this would even be you know, an, an, an issue in, in, the, in a kind of society where this wasn't prohibited in this way. Yeah, maybe, maybe we'll take that sports cronyism discussion Ooh. offline into the lines of Liberty Pride. Teaser? And we're actually, Mark and I have a couple more felonies to talk about that we're going to be doing a soon-to-be-released uh, episode in the Pride talking about those felonies. And you can join the Lions of Liberty Pride at our highest level, the $25 level, where you get a monthly call with us 
where you can really do whatever you want. It's basically a libertarians in living rooms drinking liquor that's not recorded. It's uh, just shooting the shit with fun. us, talking about the show, bringing up ideas. It's a it's a great time. And also, you get two free T-shirts at that level. You get a free koozie. Of course, you get access to all of our exclusive audio content. And you get a discount. Our highest possible discount. Yeah, you get we, the same price we literally we pay, don't so. make money if you yeah. join that, that, that level. You can just get, basically get everything for the same price we made it at. On some items, we lose money, so you're well, welcome. And I didn't want to bring that up because it makes me sad, but well, that's how much we care. A little bit sad, but... We do have two more levels, though. $10. You don't get as much. You don't get the call. You do get a discount, a little bit less, 20% off. You do get the free shirt. You get the uh, the koozie and, of course, the audio content. And at $5, if you have that to spare for us, you'll get all of our audio content. And you also get the discount as well. And with all the levels, you get access to our secret uh, Pride Facebook group. Something I should point out while we're while we're promoting here. We are only $5 away from our very first goal. Our very first goal level was $300 a month, at which point we're going to really start. We've already started, spoiler alert, because we got so close. Uh, we're going to start buying some equipment upgrades. And we already started to do that. I got a new mixer that we're going to use from some in-person records uh, when my man Rico is in town. And Brian will use it for that, too. And then uh, we're all getting some microphone upgrades. So we're starting to do this, even though we're $5 away from the goal. But only $5 left to officially hit it, guys. So thank you to everyone who has contributed to help us uh, reach these goals. And, uh, you know, yeah, and we appreciate all the support. <laughs> and after the uh, the 300 goal, there is a 1,000 goal. And that's really, in my mind, I think that's the game changer. That's when we're able to – and we're not taking this money for ourselves. It's all going back into the show. But $1,000, that's when we're going to be able to really reach out and start to advertise on other libertarian podcasts and really get our name out there and grow this show. And you can be a part of it. You can be a part of it for just $5 a month. So please consider doing that. We really do appreciate it. Also, easier way, if you don't if you don't have the $5, you can really help us out by going to iTunes or Stitcher Radio and giving us a five-star rating and leaving a nice little review there. It really helps us out with all their algorithms, ranking the podcast. And lastly, but not leastly, Donor C. We've seen a tremendous impact from a bunch of different libertarian organizations, podcasts, groups coming together under the Walk the Walk banner. We don't just talk the talk as libertarians. We walk the walk. That is a Facebook group founded by Clint Rankin, who is a forum member and, and pride member here at Lions of Liberty. And we've, we've done a lot of different things. We've helped... Uh, Helped a woman to get uh, some job training, get HIV medication. We've helped to build a well. We've helped to build a road. And now in Haiti, where there's been, obviously, with the the earthquake several years ago, there was a bunch of uh, influx of people trying to help out. Of course, there's the the Tories Clintons were there trying to help, but. They, it's, there's still lots of lots of help needed in Haiti, and one of the big problems was with litter, and there's plastic bottles everywhere, litter everywhere, and as a way to solve that problem, there's a great cause at Donor C where they're taking all these plastic bottles and they're building a house out of it, which I think is just awesome. I mean, for libertarians to be able to fund an idea like this by really killing two birds with one stone, not only are we solving the uh, the waste problem, the environmental problem, we're actually putting it to use and we're building something, which I think is awesome. So you can check that out. You can go to my profile, Mark's profile, Clint Rankin's profile on Donor C and find it there. And I don't know how close we are. We were getting a couple a couple hundred dollars left, I think, a few hundred dollars left before we got to that. But anyway, that, 
that's all I got for today, guys. Anything else to add, Mark, before I, I say goodbye? Uh, no, just that I concur with what you're about to say. I, I, too, want to keep the fires of liberty burning and keep my head up high. Not necessarily in that order. Well, this is, this is, this is John Odermatt and Mark Blair signing off. Always remember to keep your head up and the fires of liberty burning. Ow! That liberty is so hot!